Sometimes we become tired and even complacent with the circumstances in our life. We decide to give up the fight because the price to live for Christ is too high. We must be bold, strong in the Lord, and in His mighty power. That includes putting on the full armor of God. Here's Pastor Terry. We were at a student life camp up in Palm Beach, Palm Beach Atlantic University. The theme was Come to the Table from John 6.35, where Jesus says that I am the bread of life. Myself, along with four other counselors and 26 young people, went and had just a fantastic, fantastic time. The Lord was rich. Our time was just so awesome. Later on in the year, or next month or so, we're going to show you, and we'll even have some of the kids share a little bit about what that experience was like. I mean, Wednesday night was such a powerful night. The theme that night, in fact, the speaker came ready to speak on John 14, 6. But the Lord changed him up at just the last moment. He spoke from Hebrews 4. And he began his sermon, he began his talk to all those young people, probably nearly a thousand young people there. He began his talk by saying, everybody is broken. I'm broken, you're broken, we are all broken. He had a saying that he taught us too. He says, I have issues, you have issues, all of God's children have issues. In fact, let's practice that. I have issues, you have issues, all God's people have issues. And so he went on to elaborate about the brokenness and the brokenness that that people face, whether you're young or whether you're old, we face that same kind of brokenness. But at the end of that service, the Holy Spirit descended upon that place in such power. And as he was talking, he said, I wonder if there's somebody in the audience, I wonder if there's someone right now who will stand up. You know, he almost said it, this is kind of a a part of his dialogue. I'm not even sure he really meant for it to happen. But he says, I wonder if someone would stand up and say, I am broken. And about three quarters of the way back, on the back, a young 14-year-old boy in the midst of a thousand people stands up in his not yet voice that has changed and said, I am broken. And you could have heard a pin drop in that room. And then someone else, I am broken. I am broken. I am wounded. I am wounded. But Jesus is making me whole. I am wounded. But Jesus is making me whole. Can you say that? I am wounded. Say, I am wounded. But Jesus is making me whole. And there was such power in that room. You know that a number of our kids, the 26, rededicated their hearts to Christ. Four or five new people in our group gave their hearts to Jesus this last week. Let me repeat that. Four or five young people gave their heart to Jesus Christ this last week. They are now walking with the King. Guys, that is powerful stuff. Let me just say that. That is why I, that is why you, that is why we do what we do. Because right now, there are lives that weren't in the kingdom before that are now. Lives that have been forever, irrevocably changed. And that, my friends, is good news. And that is worth all the sacrifice that we make. Because Jesus comes into your life. Because you're wounded, but Jesus is making me whole.
On the last night, on Thursday night, our speaker, after that powerful night, he reminded us you know, that you can't live in a mountaintop. You know how that's it. And all of us who walk with God, we have these mountaintop experiences when the Holy Ghost is so close to us. And, and it just so, we, we, don't, we don't want to come down from there. But we do have to come down from there. He reminded us of that. And so he said, what do you do when you go back home? What do you do when you come away from this week long where you have just been saturated and the Holy Spirit has been so rich and you've grown closer to God? What do you do? And he gave us all a word. And it's a word for us to, 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 to recall as well. And it's this word, remember, remember. Those of you who have been walking with God for a while, you know, as you read the Bible, the Lord told his people, the Israelites, to always remember, always remember. Remember what I have done. Remember where I did it. Remember why I did it. Because he knew, God knew, and Jesus knew that in the future we would need to recall to remember what he has done. Because when those five or six kids come back, when all those thousands of kids come back to their school, do you think that the battle is going to begin? Absolutely. Do you think when you and I come back, guess what? They now have a target on their back. They now have a target on their back. The battle begins, the battle continues, but now the stakes are even higher. And Satan stands at that door as those thousand kids piled out on Friday morning at 10 o'clock to go back to where they were school and homes. He stands at those doors with his demons ready to attack the moment they get out the door. That's the battle that we face. That's the battle that you face every day at work. That's the battle we face in our neighborhoods with our friends. The battle is true. The battle is hard. We are in for the fight of our lives. The fight of our lives. I read a story this week. It was pretty amazing. The story is about this young boy who has a bully at school, a guy who's bullying him for his lunch money. You know, he goes to school, and every day the guy wants his lunch money, and finally he gets fed up. He says, you know what? I'm going to go home, and I'm going to take karate lessons, and I'm going to learn to stand up to this bully. So he does that. But the karate teacher tells him that the lessons are going to cost $5 every lesson. Well, he starts to take some lessons, and he's starting to get there. Then he realizes that the $5 he's spending on karate costs more than his lunch money, so he just decides, I'll just get the boy my lunch money because it's less expensive. That's kind of how we are as Christians sometimes. Rather than taking the fight, we just surrender to the bully. We just surrender to Satan. We just surrender to him because, you know what? The cost of sticking up, the cost of the fight is high. Is it not? The cost of living a life in Jesus Christ now is high. The price is high. We're talking about spiritual warfare, and we have for the last seven Saturday evenings. We've been looking at Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Verses 10 through 13, if you have your Bibles, turn there to it, is the foundational verses. Here's what it says again. A final, a final word, Paul says, to the church in Ephesus. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Notice, it's not our power. It's his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. 
so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. He's always strategizing, always looking. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. I think I said this like four or five weeks ago. Would you agree with me that we are living in a time of evil? So we have to put on God's armor. Why? Because we're living in the time of evil. Then after the battle, notice, after, after it's all said and done, after the battle, if we put on that armor, if we're willing to pay the price, we will be standing firm. Satan has but one desire for you and one desire for me, and that is to destroy us and to bring us under his authority. That's his only purpose, because he knows by doing that, he hurts God. And he hates our Heavenly Father. So he will lie, he will cheat, he will steal, he will use any means to gain control or just get a little bit of a foothold in your life. He will attack you from the front, he will attack you from the rear, he will attack you from the side, he will attack you from within. He will even disguise him, Corinthians tells us. He will even disguise himself as an angel of light. There simply isn't anything he won't do to get a foothold in your life so that he can begin to take you down, to take you out. Now here's the scary part, and this is really important. Listen carefully. You can be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can be a believer. And Satan can still have a foothold in your life. He may not have a claim to your life, but he can ruin your example. He may not have a claim to your life in the hereafter, but he can steal your joy. He may not have a claim to your life when the trumpet sounds, but he can make you so that you're inoperable. You're just moving through life, moving through life. Every day, you see, every day, while we remain here on this earth, we must choose who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow? And you cannot decide not to decide. You have to make a choice. And what scares me is that too many people, too many believers, too many believers are hemorrhaging as a result of spiritual conflict. We've given up. It's easier to pay the bully. We're not remembering. We don't have that power that we felt this last week. And it's just easier to quit. See, I can't defeat Satan on my own strength. I have to have God's armor. And it's only through God's power. This lack of spiritual victory that sometimes we have is a lack of spiritual understanding. You know, God's armor is not just something that we put on. It's a characteristic that we have to have in our lives. We have to, we've gone to the first four, we have to put on the belt of truth. It has to wrap ourselves around us. And what is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus has to wrap around us so that he is our moral authority. Do you know we have one? 
What you think, what I think, really doesn't matter. What Jesus thinks is what matters. There is a moral authority, and it's Jesus. We must wrap ourselves in the truth of Jesus Christ. At first, all of you know so well, it says, I am the way, the what? Truth. Jesus is truth. Everything begins with Jesus. We talked about how we have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. What, are you righteous? Are you righteous? Am I righteous? None of us are righteous. Well, what breastplate are we putting on? We're putting on Jesus' breastplate because he is righteous. You see, because of what Jesus has done, when God looks at me, he doesn't see my filthy rags. He sees Jesus pure and holy. When I put that on, if I'm truly repentant and not just sorry, and you know there's a difference, right? We can be sorry and not repentant. Repentant means we want to change our ways. If I'm truly repentant, if I'm truly a child of God, and I put on this breastplate of righteousness that Jesus gives me, surrounded by the belt of truth, then wow, I'm going to do what? I'm going to want to become more like him. And how do I do that? I become an obedient. You see, that's where it's hard. Sometimes it's just easier not to put the breastplate on. Just go through life. After all, I've accepted Christ, and I can just go through life and not make any noise. Our speaker also gave us an example of a first century martyr. His name was Polycarp, and you probably know the story of Polycarp. He was martyred for not renouncing Jesus before Rome. And he challenged us. I wonder if you would light up, if you'd be willing to light up like Polycarp was. They burned him at the stake. I wonder if you'd be willing to burn for Jesus. Well, how about a Sawgrass Church? In our church, in our homes, are we willing to burn for Jesus? You know, all Polycarp had to say, because he was 84 years old, all he had to say was, no, I, I don't really know Jesus. All he had to say was that Caesar is king, and they would have let him go. That's all he had to say. He even could have just said it, not meant it, right? But that's not what he said. For four score and three, I have never been let down by my Savior, and I will not deny him now. I wonder if we're willing to burn, if I'm willing to be set ablaze for Jesus. We didn't talk about those shoes of peace. See, it's not just enough, Paul tells us, that we have peace with God. We have to have the peace of God in our life. That's that peace, that beautiful peace, that in the middle of a storm, Jesus is calm. That's a peace that's available to you and me. We can have the peace with God without having the peace of God in our lives. But when we have the peace of God, because see, once again, we can be believers and have no peace. But once we have the peace of God in our lives, then we can stand firm when life throws all of its blazing arrows at us. Because, as we spoke last week, not only do we have the belt of truth or the breastplate of righteousness, or the shoes of peace on this armor that God gives us, we have the shield of faith. We have the shield of faith. And wow, that faith is pretty, pretty important because that faith is our absolute confidence in God. Remember last week we said it's not a saving faith. That's critical. But this faith that Paul's talking about here is a faith as we live our lives. Our absolute confidence in God that he's got this, and he's got you. Do we live our lives that way? 
And how do we develop that faith? We develop by knowing his character. So you see, God understands that when we come out of those mountaintop experiences, like those 26 kids did, and those other 1,000 kids did, that the battle is going to begin. God understands that you're in a battle every day. So he has given you spiritual armor. Not to take on and off, but to put on and to leave on so it develops your character. And tonight, we talk about the last two. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. The helmet of salvation and the sword of of the spirit, the helmet was given to the helmet was given to the Roman soldier to what? Protect his his head. No soldier would have gone into battle without his helmet. The helmet of salvation it assures us of our salvation. Do you know that when you give your life to Christ, you are assured of your salvation? And as soon as you do that in the battle, what does Satan do? He tries to attack you. He tries to put all kinds of thoughts in your mind. Because if he can control your mind, he can control your emotions. If he can control your emotions, he can control your activity. They go hand in hand together. If he can get a foothold in your mind, put thoughts there, doubts there, questions there, wrong things there, then all of a sudden you begin to think like that. It begins to take hold of your life. It moves to your emotional part of who you are because we're emotional beings as well. And now my emotions are all involved. And then as my emotions are all involved because of the thoughts he's put in my mind, that translates into activity. Now I find myself doing things or worrying about things or being anxious about things that may never even come true. That's why Jesus says, why be so anxious? Don't you know today has enough problems of its own? Can you change anything? No, but these thoughts are in my mind. It affects the way I feel. And now I can't sleep. Well, give me an example of that, Pastor. Give me an example of what you're talking about. Okay, I will. In the book of Kings, remember Elijah? Great prophet Elijah. Hasn't reigned in Israel for three years. And so Israel goes to Ahab, the king. You remember this? And, and he challenges the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal. Because it's going to be a challenge make it rain. And so Elijah sits back and says, just take a bull, cut it in half, stick it on the altar, and you guys go at it. So the prophets start praying, start praising to the gods of Baal, make it rain, make it rain. And all the time Elijah sits back there and watches. You know, lap it full of, you know, just, just make it burn up. And they, and they spend day and hour after hour after hour praying, crying out to their God. And Elijah, he's kind of, a, he's kind of just mocking them. He even says things like, well, your God must be asleep. Where, where is your God? What, what's happening? Well, you know the story. Elijah then comes up, and here's what he does. He has the same cow that's on the altar for the sacrifice. He says, now, what I want you to do is pour it, drench it full of water. Drench it again. Drench it again. They poured so much water, it just filled everything around it. And Elijah just prays to God. And as soon as he prays, boom! Like that, like that, boom! Burns up. And Elijah says, Ahab, get ready, because God's going to make it rain. And what happens? It rains. He says, you need to get home to Jezreel before the rain comes, otherwise you're going to get stuck in the mud. You can back in 1 Kings 18 and read it. God gives Elijah so much power 
Elijah picks up his robe and runs back to Jezreel and beats Ahab and his chariots there by running. Now, here's the whole point of that story. Do you think that Elijah was having a mountaintop experience? I mean, there he sits with 450 prophets. That are, they, they can't do anything. He calls down fire from heaven. Would you consider that a mountaintop experience? He runs faster than the horses do. Do you consider that a mountaintop experience? He's talking to God Almighty. It hasn't rained in three years. It begins to rain. Would you consider that a mountaintop experience? You know what happens? Ahab runs home to his wife Jezebel, tells her what he has done, and Jezebel has put a bounty on Elijah's head. The very next day, Elijah is running like a scared cat out of town. Think about that, the absurdity of that. He stands in the power of Almighty God, watches all these things happen. One woman, the queen, says, you will not live to see tomorrow, and he is so petrified, he takes off. So what happened there? What happened? A thought gets planted in his mind, even after he just had a mountaintop experience. A thought gets planted in his mind. It moves to his emotions. She's going to kill me. And it results in activity. He retreats and runs away. Again, even though he just performed the most incredible miracles you can imagine. God was so close. And yet, a thought was in his mind. Moves to your emotions. And it moves to activity. Make no mistake, when you come down off of that mountaintop experience, what I shared with the kids as well, you are susceptible. Satan's got your number, and he begins to put things into your path. And if you do not have this helmet on, this helmet on the assurance of who God is to protect your mind, it'll move to your emotions, it'll move to activity. You see, the helmet protects our minds. Satan's biggest weapon is the thoughts and ideas he can put into your head. You know, he's not all-powerful, and he can't be everywhere at the same time. He can't do all things, but what he can do is put thoughts in your mind. How many of you lose sleep at night because of thoughts in your mind? How many of you worry about things unnecessarily, have anxiety because of thoughts in your mind? Those, those, some of those things are just the ordinary course of life, but some of those things are strategically planted there in order to trip you up. Because even though you might be a follower of Jesus Christ, Satan can ruin your day and ruin your witness. My time is going quickly, so I have to bring it a little bit shorter than that. The sword of the Spirit. The other, the, 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 uh, the belt and the breastplate, and of course our shoes and the shield of faith, and even our helmet are all defensive. They're all so we can stand firm. But the sword of the Spirit, the last one that Paul talks about, is an offensive weapon. There is this little 18-inch sword. You've probably have seen it on different movies in Hollywood. They get their sword. It's not that big old four-foot sword. This is the 18-inch sword, good for hand-to-hand -hand combat, where they can get in close. Because sometimes we are called upon to take the fight, to take the battle to our adversary directly, one-on-one. -on -one. 
Well, what is that sword of the Spirit? What is that weapon that God gives us? Well, there's no doubt, there's no question. It's the Word of God. The only weapon that Satan is afraid of, is fearful of, the only thing that you and I possess that makes him shiver is God's Word. It certainly isn't how clever you are, certainly isn't how strong you are, or how wise or how intelligent you are. That doesn't bother him at all. You and I are no threat. But when we have the Word of God in our hands, when we have God's truth and God's Word in our hands, and when we know it, then he shivers. That's why when he was facing Jesus in the desert, after 40 days, Jesus was weak and was worn out. What was Jesus' weapon? It was the Word of God. Every time Satan came to him with a temptation, with a trial, Jesus responded with the Word of God. That's the power that we have to have. That's why it's so important for us to know God's Word. That's why it's so important to have it in our thoughts. That's why it's so important for us to meditate on it and to know it. Because when those battles come, when those temptations come, when those trials come upon us, you can respond with the Word of God. But if you haven't got it up here, you're going to be unprepared. You won't have your spiritual armor on. You have to have it on all the time if you don't want to just pay the bully. If you want to pay the bully, then don't worry about it. But you will live just an ordinary, non-exciting, you're not going to burn for Jesus that way. If you want to burn for Jesus and make a difference, you have to take that sword and be ready, along with the helmet, along with the shield, along with the shoes, along with the breastplate, along with the truth. And they must change our lives. They must change our lives. You see, we have all that we need. God, can you imagine? God has given us everything that we need to live victorious lives. It's up to you and it's up to me to not just put it on once and then take it off. See, I said a few times tonight because that's what we do. We put it on and we take it off. We put it on and we take it off. Put this on and take it back off. We put it on when we want to and take it off when we want to. You know those times when you want to, you know, I just want to get a little bit close. I don't want to be, I don't be so holy today. I, I just want to get a little bit close. A little closer to sin. It, it won't be that bad. We play with dangerous activity, guys. Dangerous activity. And that's why we're hemorrhaging. That's why we hear so much criticism of the church. That's why the world isn't flocking to see us. Because we don't have that spiritual victory that's available to us. But it's right there for us. If we just take advantage of it. God has provided it for you and provided it for me, and provided it for all of those young people whose lives were changed, just as those five or six lives at Songgrass Community Church now, those young people, those lives were changed. Some of your lives have been changed. Some of you need to rededicate your heart to the Lord. Some of, you need to, some of us need to decide, you know what? I'm going to put that armor on, and I'm going to leave it on, and I'm going to burn like Polycarp did for Jesus. I'm going to let myself burn for him. Why? Because it's worth it. Because it's worth it. The other thing that he told us, his name was Jason. Jason told us, and I really liked it. It was really good. He said, and this was, was powerful. Just let it sink in. 
You know, all the things in life that grab our attention, all the things in life we think are so important, all the things in life that we strive for, that we long for, that we build our lives up, we save for, all those kind of things. Here's what Jason told us, reminded us this. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's better than anything else you have on the scale. You know those scales that go like this? Put everything you want to, everything you dreamed of, everything you desire, put all over here, put Jesus over here, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's better than anything else you put over there. That's why we put on the armor, because Jesus is better. He's better than all of that. He's better than anything else we can compare him to. Wow. I will tell you that we have some awesome young people who meet on Wednesday night at Sawgrass Community Church. We have some awesome young people who really want to make a difference for the Lord. We have some awesome young people who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. My prayer is that they won't become a spiritual wimp. That they won't give in to the bullies. Because it's very easy to do that. Because the price to burn is much higher. Is much higher. But it's better. It's better. Jesus is better. I don't know if I can persuade you that or not. I hope the Holy Spirit can. Because it's true. Jesus is simply better. I have issues. I do. But you know what? I take comfort because so do you. <laughs> and in fact, all of us have issues. I'm wounded, but you know what? So are you. We're all wounded. But Jesus is making us whole. I have the availability of God's armor to protect myself from all the schemes and all the strategies that Satan will throw my, throw my way, and so do you. I want to take advantage of all those things. I want to burn bright. I want to be the light of the world. I want to burn bright no matter what the cost, and only for one reason, because Jesus is better. He is better. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. For the truth of the word, Father. Lord, we confess to you that sometimes it is so much easier to just give in to the bully. I mean, after all, you have saved us. We know that we are going to spend eternity with you. You have purchased us. We can just walk through life. But Lord, what a unsatisfying lack of joy life that could be, how much better it would be, Lord, for us to simply put on your armor, take up our sword, grab our shield, and burn for you wherever you put us, God. Teach us and help us, and give us the courage, because we, it takes courage. It takes courage. We thank you first and foremost, Lord, that you've forgiven us, that you've written our name in your book. And that we have the assurance that we will spend eternity with you. But now, Lord, as we continue to breathe and life continues to move forward, we want to give it to you, Lord. So thank you, God, 
Help us and teach us as we, as we go our way. Bring people into our lives to encourage us. Thank you for all you've done. May we burn for you, Lord, for this reason, this reason only, because you are so much better. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.